HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. going welcome to the food scene on heritage radio network it's a tuesday a little after three uh we had to get the whole family here uh we'll tell you who's here in a second but uh michael harlan turkel your host and i just like to start off mentioning that it's new york city's craft beer week it's right around the corner it's beginning friday september 24th and running through sunday october 3rd to kick off the annual series whole foods market bowery is hosting a beer and food pairing event in their beer room oscar blues is on tap chef Jacques Gautier of uh, Park Slopes Palo Santo is cooking, cooking up one of his South American delights to accompany. Uh, food tasting goes from 5 to 7, and beer will continue until 9. With a Craft Beer Week passport, get $3 off a 64-ounce growler fill. Meet Jacques uh, Friday, September 24th, and enjoy some special tastes and tap from the kitchen. Telling you, it's a must. Craft Beer Week, check it out. Today's episode is all about family and the art of using family as inspiration uh, to not only have a restaurant, but be able to support a restaurant. Got the whole clan here. I mean, like, the whole clan. The Fajanikongs. <laughs> King, King Sr., uh, Annabelle King's mother. This is going to be a fantastic little discussion. King is a chef owner of Kuma Inn. That's K-U-M-A-I-N-N.com in Lower East Side and Uminom. U-M-I-N-O-M.com in what area of Brooklyn would you consider that? Uh, technically, that would be Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Bed-Stuy. It, it's on the edge. It's, it's, a, the br- edge. it's a brinker. It's right behind Pratt. Kloss uh, and G-Stop. Um, they're Restaurants that you know tie in not only King's technical uh, prowess, but his familiar uh, understanding of food. His parents are Thai Filipino. Who's who? Uh, King Senior is a Thai, and, and I'm Filipino. And Filipino, excellent. Um, King and I met 
I don't even know how many years ago. It's kind of a blur. At least five, maybe even six years ago. Yep. And first time I went into Kuma Inn, it feels like walking into somebody's apartment. And it's not just because it's on the second floor of uh, what seems like tenement building on the Lower East Side, but also because of its comfort and uh, attention to detail, not necessarily just in the technique of the food, but in uh, accommodating the customer. Um, now, King, your, your first... You know, when, when you open up Kumin, I, I heard stories about your father sitting outside on a chair and telling people that, oh, my son cooks up there. Um, but when you first open up this idea, why Thai Filipino? You had been classically trained in other restaurants, correct? Yes. Um, you know, I went to school, culinary school upstate in Hyde Park at uh, CIA, Culinary Institute of America, and uh, did most of my cooking in French houses, uh, Danielle, uh, Jean-Georges, uh, Boulet. Uh, but, you know, uh, Kumin, that was my first shot. And at the time, I thought maybe my only shot at opening my, my own place. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of reasons. That's why we're on the second floor, um, you know, to budget, budgetary yeah. <laughs> reasons. Uh, you know, and it worked out for both of us, actually. The landlord couldn't rent the space out because it was on the second floor. And um, it was uh, it was something that uh, I could afford. It was in my price range. Uh, it's a place I opened up with no investors. It was just me. And uh, I wanted to get back to food that I grew up with, food that I was really familiar with, um, food that I love to eat. Uh, it's a, you know To me, it's always going to a restaurant is, is, uh, is a great experience. But I always like to think of it, too, is I always ask myself whenever I go to a place, I ask myself, is this some place I'm going to come back to again? Is this some place that I can eat here maybe twice a week? Can I eat here once every week? Yeah, if you want to know my answer for that, it's yes, I can come back to it. And yes, sometimes I do eat at it twice a week. <laughs> See, that's good. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, that's what I thought about with uh, Kuma Inn. And that's why I really wanted to get back to my roots. And, and I, you know, I, I incorporate everything I've learned throughout my whole uh, culinary training. You know, I, I'm still learning today, which is the great thing about this craft is... Uh, you know, you could have some kind of talent, but there's always room to learn more and perfect your skill. And uh, and it's great. I mean, and, and also part of it, too, is I really wanted people to learn about the food. Uh, you know, nobody knows about Filipino food. No. A lot of people don't even know where the Philippines is. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, I you thought know. it was in Queens. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's that big Woodside. community over there. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean... So you grew up in Stytown, that area that um, mainly NYU students seem to know. Um, mm-hmm. During the 80s, even Madonna lived there. But it's that area in the, would you consider it past the East Village, above the East Village? It's uh, just above the East Village. It's o- almost like where Uminom is Bed-Stuy. It's, uh, yeah. it's <laughs> like, it begins on 14th Street, which is, I don't know, the, the borderline of the East Village. Yeah. And goes up to about 23rd Street. Now, now I'm going to... Talk to your parents for a second, because you have Thai and Filipino influences. When did the both of you, uh, were you born here? Did When did you come to this country, and why did you guys pick Stai Town? Uh, I, I came here in 1963 from Thailand. And uh, I met my wife in 1968. And that time she worked for New York Infirmary. She's a nurse. Yeah. And we live on uh, the house of the hospital, and one little studio. So when he born, and we need larger room, <laughs> so we apply for stipend, but we have to wait for two years. And so my wife she have some connections with uh, 
head of the hospital to stop die for us so we can get so when soon when when they call us six of her co-worker also apply excellent and we got a nice spot on corner of 20 street and first avenue right away my wife she make a check the pass right away <laughs> they, they actually still live there yeah today. i was about to say yeah. where do you guys live today same spot, same spot. lock it down yes. it's all yours <laughs> and from the philippines were you originally born there and then came to the united yeah, states i was born there and came in 63 yeah and uh, right away i worked as a nurse and that's why the vicinity of stuyvesant helped because infirmary is just across Stuyvesant, and I've stayed there since, you know. Yeah. So when you first moved here, too, uh, did you guys cook mainly at home, or were there any restaurants that you would go out to? Oh, we would go to Philippine restaurants, and uh, of course, Thai, and I learned how to eat, eat uh, hot Thai <laughs> spicy food. Yeah. And before, I never did eat spicy food, but oh. <laughs> I nice. loved it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and were were the Thai restaurants that you ate at? Yeah, the favorite, my favorite one is on 14th Street between Avenue B and B. C. And I know the owner, so when we go there, we don't order for menu. We yeah. order something. <laughs> Really home cooking. Yeah. And they prepare, but they charge me arm and a leg, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going there with you next time. <laughs> but um, no more there now. Oh, no more. No so they, so they, is, is Kuma in, um, in place of all those restaurants that you used to eat at? I mean, are there any other places in New York that are Thai or Filipino that you know ring true to what well, you used to eat growing up? Well, my dad likes uh, my friend David's place. Yeah, um, David. David Bank. He has a place called Lantai. Yeah. And uh, he loves them. So that's because uh, for years we were looking for a replacement for his Thai spot. And <laughs> it's always difficult. Yeah. And as far as Filipino food, I know there's a small community in Woodside. Um, and now there's a couple odd Filipino chain restaurants there. But are there any other Filipino restaurants that you eat at in New York? Um, not really. It's just uh, along uh, Roosevelt. You know? Yeah. And it's they call it the Turu Turu. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have one by our neighborhood, Elvis, but they closed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so growing up in Stytown, too, were there a lot of other Thai and Filipino residents? Uh, uh, there, there, were, there are still a lot of uh, Filipino residents there because of the proximity to all the hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, King, growing up in that kind of atmosphere, what did you eat? Uh, did you try to go into the Lower East Side, East Village, and have pizza and all that kind of stuff? Or oh. were you at home? Oh, yeah. It was it was a mix of both. Um, you know, I, I went to a Catholic school uh, growing up um, for eight years, Epiphany. And, uh, you know, you can imagine. I mean, most of my classmates, it's, it's Stuyvesant Town's a middle-class area. Um, every Most of my classmates, the majority were Irish-American, Italian-American, you know, I was, uh, I guess, the token Asian guy. There's I know. A, How many other kings were there? Right. <laughs> other than you and your father. Right. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I remember coming home from school. I think I was just telling Annabelle the other day, we, you know, we'd have a dollar. And with the dollar, we'd get a 25-cent bagel at Essa Bagel. Uh, you know, get a soda for 25 cents and play, uh, like, Space Invaders, two <laughs> games, you know. And if you didn't want to do that, you could get a slice of pizza for 50 cents. So, yeah, there was a lot of pizza, bagels, uh, you know, as kids. And then when I came home, the more uh, ethnic food, you know, we had rice every day. We had rice for breakfast. 
uh, when I had friends come over, stay over, they'd love it because it was like totally, totally different food from what they had. Oh yeah, yeah. And then when I would go to someone else's house, it was the same thing. Like, wow, I, you know, I don't have, I don't really eat this at home. And I don't have meatloaf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was, it was a sound. great experience too. So we, you know, I was able to learn more about the food. But what I, I guess I really learned a lot about the food was when uh, in the summertime, uh, my parents sent my brother and I uh, to the Philippines every summer. So um, it was always kind of like a culture shock because the you know the, the day school ended, the next day it was pack your bags, you're going to the Philippines, <laughs> and then uh, 24 hours later you're in a whole other country, different food, different people, and it was always a like a shock for the first week. And then by the time the end of the summer came, you didn't want to go home anymore. Yeah. And then again, it was another shock because 24 hours later, you'd be back in New York in a Catholic school uniform, walking to school <laughs> and saying, oh, what's going on here? You know, sans the Catholic school uniform, that's kind of how I feel like Kuman and Umanam. <laughs> you know, I transported and then, you know, you don't want to come back from that eating experience. Yeah. Um, I think this is a per- perfect opportunity to ask Annabelle, who last time you came back from the Philippines was raving about chicken roe. Um, about that experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We uh, wound up going to this um, area that uh, King used to visit as a child, and I had the best chicken I've ever had in my life. And I've had a lot of chicken, <laughs> a lot of meat since meeting yeah. King, but um, it really was the, just the most amazing kind of finger-licking good yeah. kind of place. And in fact, people do use their fingers to eat there. They scoop up the rice with their fingers. They use the chicken juice to cook everything. Um, I think it's called Manukan Country, if I'm not mistaken, and it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's just simple grilled chicken, right? It's simple preparation. It's just simple. Uh, you know what makes it so special, though, is that, uh, and we've had this conversation before, is how that everything in the Philippines and th- that part of the country, that part of the world, is is organic. You know, by nature. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, there's no. It's everything's free range. Everything's organic. It was killed that morning, and that's what makes that chicken so special. There, you know, they're not. Uh, gargantuan sized pieces of meat they, you know the breast is like really tiny and uh, but it's so juicy I mean they you just need to simply just salt it and grill it and it's an amazing piece of chicken see what's always fascinating me about cumin is the lack of complexity the lack of you know the wall that a lot of chefs and kitchens put up that they don't tell you what they're doing or how they do it uh, everything's very exposed um, not just because it's a tiny little restaurant and you walk in and you see everyone cooking right in front of you and from almost every angle in the restaurant can you see the fire right. twirling but simple dishes and some of my favorite dishes in New York Chinese sausage with sticky rice calamansi lime chili sauce um blow me away every time and i mean i look at it and i know these ingredients and i'm like oh i could do it but i want king to do that for me um pretty much every dish has that simplicity and do you feel like it's both embedded in thai and filipino cooking uh, the simplicity straightforwardness or what did you do to make kumin make umanam different you know it's it's um i guess it's a little bit of both of what you're saying uh you know, it's it's actually been a learning process for me too, because with with food, you know, it's it's something uh, you can make it as complex as you want, or again, as simple as you want, almost with anything in life. And uh, to me, I, I really believe, uh, and I think most chefs agree too, that you really want just the natural uh, flavor of that protein or vegetable to just come out, and and the least you do to it, 
I mean, I'm, I'm learning as I'm getting more and more into it. The, the least you do to it, the better. So the true flavors come out. You know, there's no need to mask it in, in varying degrees of uh, degrees, degrees of uh, sauces or marinades. But, but again, I mean, those help. And, and, but at the same time, you want to keep it as simple as you can. And, and, you know, a lot of the dishes that we do from Thailand and the Philippines, a lot of it, you have to remember, a lot of these recipes come from a place where at the time when they were made, they were used to preserve the food, you know, like that beef tapa dish we do that, that, that dream of beef tapa. (laughs) Beef tapa is King's version of beef jerky, which just, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm dreaming, daydreaming of it right now. (laughs) But, but a dish like that, that was, you know, something made, I mean, it tastes great. And it's also made out of necessity to preserve the meat. Uh, the chicken wing adobo we do in uh, Kuma and same thing. That was something where uh, people who worked on ships, there was no way uh, to preserve food. There was no refrigeration. So they figured out by putting tons and tons of vinegar in there, <laughs> you'll be okay. You yeah. Know? So, and that's why you get uh, sourness is a, is a big element in flavor on the Filipino side where, where a lot of other cuisine sour doesn't come out a lot but sour and tanginess is something that you look for in filipino cuisine yeah talk about true sustainable cooking um growing up were you cooking a lot of traditional filipino things just to preserve them to make sure that you know you buy a lot of stuff you'd cook it but you make sure the other stuff didn't go bad or were you just cooking fresh 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 all the time it's uh, fresh but like we have tapa because i have to Growing boys, and when the, when they're hungry, all they do is get the tapa and fry. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, same thing with the sausages. You know, we make uh, we marinate it and with, in vinegar. You know, and uh, that's it. When they're hungry. Yeah. It's it's easy. So you know, I think. Well, when I go to the green market, you get a whole bunch of fresh vegetables, but they're perishable. Um, what was your kitchen like growing up? Was there a lot of food always to pick from? And if so, what kind of food was it? Um, yeah, well, aside from the tapas, uh, we have uh, achara. You know, that's the pickles. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we always have that, you know. And uh, we have uh, fresh uh, vegetables because we, we usually the Filipino cooking the meat is there with vegetables and that's it you yeah. know one one dish with everything in it you know but but back then you know the green market wasn't a big thing it was mostly no. shopping in Chinatown yeah that's where we go right. yeah. we'd always be uh, we'd go there on Sundays or during the week shop and or eat dinner and then shop or shop and eat dinner so that was kind of a big uh, a big thing yeah excellent we're gonna take a quick break but we're gonna come back talking about uh, the new idea of local vor king sourcing from not just his roots in Stai Town, but Chinatown. Um, talk a little bit more about some dishes his family made, meeting Annabelle and her influences on King. Oh, I saw, I saw that face, and now she's laughing. But, but uh, we'll be right back. You can listen to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Uh, see you in a sec.
Welcome back to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, taping in the backyard studios of Roberta Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, just wanted to say hello. Uh, it's a real family affair. We have uh, King's brother, Paul, on the line. Hey, Paul. Hey, how you doing? Fantastic. Where are you calling from? Uh, San Francisco. Excellent. I'll be out there in a couple of weeks. Maybe you have to tell me uh, where to eat in that part of the world. Uh, yeah, I know. I heard you guys talking about Thai restaurant. I, I discovered a good one just this weekend. Excellent, excellent. Hopefully, uh, we hear you're on lunch break too. So hopefully, we're making you a little hungry. Yeah, you are. Excellent. <laughs> well, first question, and I've been asked a lot of people after saying, "Oh, I'm having King on," and his brother Paul. How did you get the name Paul and he get the name King? Uh, I well, you could ask my mom who's sitting there, but I, I actually, I actually named after her, her oldest brother. Gotcha. And so, you know, firstborn gets the junior. Excellent. And then, and then I, I got my I got my uh, my mother's oldest oldest brother. Fanta, it wasn't like uh, any option of being prince or duke or earl or anything of royalty. <laughs> Uh, it it would have been it would have been it would have been cool growing up with that name, but no. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're actually going to start talking about. Sourcing in Chinatown, because uh, a lot of people use the green market and that as their place to shop and get ingredients for not just home, but restaurants nowadays. And you guys all grew up eating in Chinatown. Do you remember some of the places you used to eat at and what you used to have? Yeah, there was a place on uh, Mott Street we used to go to. Uh, 13 Mott Street, right, Dad? It was uh, Sun Lucky. What, what do we used to order there? Oh, when uh, when when soon we walk in, uh, the man I don't know his owner, the manager he always, okay, half chicken, I mean f- chick- fried chicken, and uh, <laughs> what else? What I what the uh, a pour with a pour with that, we have a razor clam, razor clam. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, when when walk in, oh, fried chicken. Uh, yeah, the chow fun. Yeah, uh, better chow fun. Yeah. Right away, soon we walk in. This is all one meal. This is yeah, 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 yeah. Whole, yeah. But after that, we order some more different dishes to uh, come in, crabs. like our vegetables mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, the Cantonese style yes. crab with a black and, bean uh, sauce. Black bean sauce. They know what, but we, 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 Paul and King when they when they were still regulars. young, we yeah. regular customers. They know right away. We walk in right away. They know what we, what we want. And after that, when the restaurant caught fire, and they moved to Flushing, yeah, and somehow they they closed, right? They closed at Flushing. Yeah, something happened. I'm I'm not yeah. sure, but but they, yeah, now they're closed. But they were yeah. they were on like a thirty year run. Yeah, wow. but uh, that's that's when King and Paul grew up in the China, mm-hmm. Chinatown. Yeah, Paul. Wh- Paul, what were some of the other restaurants that you remember and you see that? Um, I don't know down down in Chinatown. I mean, that was the main one. That was just you know. It was like cheers. You just walk in. They know what you want. You sit down there, and you know if if you know if someone else not inside the family sat down and said, "Wow, this is enough food for like eight people." Yeah, only four of us. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there was like there was like there's about like eight dishes, you know, and and more on tap if if we were still hungry after the first twenty minutes. So, so I mean, um, other restaurants. I think you know. I mean, as 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 my brother and I got older, we we discovered the other. You know, I've taken my mom and dad to the uh, Singapore Malaysian place. Um, so there's places closer to um, closer. I guess that's off the Bowery um, that um, that have you know diff- kind of different flavors. They do the Hainan chicken rice, where they cook the rice in the broth. It's basically just steamed chicken. Or on a hot day, you can get ices there. So I mean, <laughs> and and then I guess even more recent, we've obviously discovered pho. 
Yeah. Uh, which is which is which is you know now when we go there we usually go for something like that. Excellent. So expanding your horizons just outside of Thai Filipino cuisine. Right, right. Well, those places aren't down there. So you yeah, know, like you guys were talking about, they're in Queens or New Jersey or or somewhere else. So. so it was. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that you know you guys would order eight or so dishes for four people, and that seemed like a lot. But the format of Kuma Inn and Umanam actually are similar to that idea, um, because I wouldn't say it would be stayed having a single dish all the time, but you get to share and have a whole bunch of different flavors. Is that kind of how you were eating back then, or was it just purely sustenance and you guys were hungry? <laughs> no, no, I think we everybody was, uh, you know, you want different flavors when you're eating. Yeah. It's it's a family style meal all the time when we sit down. It's not usually just one dish. There's always a couple of dishes or more, even at home. Yeah, and ex- and so try to explain to people a little bit about the style of menu at Kuma Inn, not just the Thai Filipino, but the tasting portions. Yeah, the um, you know when we opened up, uh, wow, it's it's almost eight years now that wow. we've opened up. Congrats, uh, thanks. And and when we first opened up, it was something since I knew a lot of people weren't familiar with the uh, cuisine, I wanted them to kind of sample and have different uh, ideas of what the dishes are like. So um, you know, I call them small plates, but some plates are a lot bigger than other plates. Uh, you know, th- when you say small plates, I mean yeah, they're, they're almost appetizer size, but there's some dishes where you could get and order one or two, and it could be a full meal, like the sausage plate. Right, that comes with sticky rice and the sauce. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could I have mean, three or four. So. <laughs> right. right. I mean, people fight over it now. When they first come in, they order one. But now we have regulars who come in. And if it's a table for four, each one <laughs> orders their own. Yeah. They're like, that's mine. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I just wanted people to sample the different, um, the different dishes. And if you like something, you could order it again or try something else. Uh, but but the, way, the, the way we eat uh, our food, usually it's, it's uh, rice is kind of our, our main... Um, like the, the the background for everything and then everything else you eat with that rice you know yeah and so. at kuma you serve three different types of rice if I'm correct or maybe uh, more than that yeah a little bit more i think we have well i mean three main ones like yeah the just the long grain rice sticky rice coconut rice but then we have different types of fried rice garlic, garlic rice. fried oh, rice yeah that's a very uh that's the very filipino one the garlic fried rice and then the sticky rice is on the thai side yeah know? so you have a little yeah. bit of both so um of your parents, uh, what are your favorite dishes at Kuma and Uminam? Do you, I mean, does Filipino go for Filipino? Does Thai go for Thai? Or do you guys kind of pick and choose? We pick and choose. Yeah. And we usually ask for the special of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And King? Mostly we go, uh, we, we go there. We, we don't look at the menu. We just tell him, say, please, say that whatever you think is good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and... Of these flavors, like uh, calamansi is a kind of lime uh, that comes from the Philippines, yes, mm-hmm. that yes. a lot of people don't know. It's strong, acidic, but very floral yes. flavor at the same time. What were some of the other ingredients that you tried to introduce that? Oh, on the menu, um, calamansi, uh, we're working with uh, also different types of, uh, you know, uh, some more Thai ingredients like kaffir lime leaves and uh, different types of curry and coconut milk. Um, we work with that. Also, uh, like I said, uh, in the Philippines, we use a lot of uh, sourness in the food. So to bring that out, uh, tamarind. Yeah. Working with tamarind paste uh, with fresh tamarind. Um, and also chilies. That's from the Thai side. Uh, you know, in the Philippines, uh, 
the heat and spiciness is not such a, a big thing. Maybe in one part, you know, one of the smaller islands it is, but overall it's not something you relate to Filipino food. But something like when you think about Thai food, you do think about chilies and heat. Yeah. And uh, so, we're again, we're working with different chilies and the, de- the different degrees of spiciness. And, Paul, I'm, I'm going to assume that you've eaten at Kumin or Uminam. Yes. Yes, I've been to both. Now, how does it differ from your parents' cooking? Uh, well, I mean, it's uh, obviously besides the portions, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's uh, plated and... and uh, it looks much nicer than when you cook a portion for, for, for a big family. He, but, he's know. only saying this because he's on the phone and not here, so he can't get scolded. <laughs> but that's, you know, I mean, I, I, I think, um, you know, I think he has, you know, I think one thing that our, our parents really instilled is, is like, you know, I think growing up, we know what good food tastes like. So the tastes are very familiar. And that, I think that's the most important thing. I mean, how it looks is nice for presentation and stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, it, 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 it doesn't differ because the tastes are familiar. Whether it's, you know, you know, back home you would use, I don't know, maybe a breast or, I mean, I'm sorry, maybe like dark meat or maybe now they use, you know, some, a breast or something. It's, difficult. it's a different kind of source of fat, but I think, you know, the taste is the same and it's always consistent. So that's kind of reminds me of, of what we had growing up. Yeah. And Annabelle? Is this anything like your upbringing? I mean, you're you're a Crown Heights girl, right? Actually, Washington Washington Heights. Heights. Yeah. yeah. No, could not be more different than how I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first dish that you had of Kings that opened you to this world? It was the Chinese sausage. Oh yeah. <laughs> and after that, I was hooked. It's it's, a, it's the gateway dish. Watch yeah. out, because yeah. if you have it, you're not coming back. Yeah, I you're... like to joke. That's how he got me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he got me. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And. I want to go back to sourcing in Chinatown because you guys talk about eating in Chinatown, but King also derives a lot of his ingredients. Uh, when on Edible Brooklyn about three years ago, we did a story mm-hmm. with King about literally sourcing some of these things from noodles to greens to fish. And like farmers in green markets dealing with chefs, he walks into a shop and they know his name. Um, they know what he wants. Quantity, you know, they haggle a little in price, mm-hmm. but it is familiar. It is, you know, um, him sustainably supporting a local community. So really redefining the idea of a local vor in a sense. What are some of the places and ingredients that you uh, get and shop for in Chinatown? Yes, uh, I would say, I guess I spend a lot of time in Chinatown, mostly around uh, Grand Street, up and down Grand from like um, like around Christie and Bowery, there's a lot of great shops where you could source a lot of uh, items. I remember, I think we went to the woman who makes the fresh noodles. Oh, yeah. We get the fresh noodles from her. So I use those for actually for both restaurants. Uh, They make the noodles there daily, a few times a day. And that's on the corner of? That's on the corner of uh, Grand and Bowery. Yeah. Um, on the east side, right? On the east side, because you got to watch right. out. There's there's a garage on the west that's side right. too, but that's right. Yeah. It's on the east side, um, and we use that for Uminom. We use the rice noodles there for our uh, patsu dish, our chi- uh, chicken patsu, and then for Kuma, she makes the uh, we use those rolled rice noodles, the rice crepes, yeah, with the uh, Kuma bolognese. Oh, it's delicious. So um, so we visit her quite often, and then on the other corner we have. Um, the uh, the seafood market, uh, Hai Sen Hai Sen Seafood, it's called. Yeah, and they're um, Vietnamese, like Vietnamese Chinese family that runs that, and uh, they have great seafood. I mean, I've been buying stuff from them for well, like ten years, and uh, 
you know, they'll hold things that I need. They know what I need on the item. If they have something new and special that they know they think I'll like, they'll hold on to it for me and I could come check it out. If I like it, I'll take it. If not, you know, I don't. Um, but yeah, there's, there's great, uh, seafood there. Uh, even the butcher there is great. They have a lot of, um, they, they get a lot of, uh, we use a lot of uh, pork, so they get a lot of pork product in there, uh, whole pigs, and we can have them broken down for us. Um, and while we place our orders in and waiting for everything to come out, <laughs> we'll go uh, hit up a few restaurants there. You know, we've gone to uh, Faux Grand. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So have some, uh, to have some pho over there. And uh, where else do we go around there? There's a great... Um, the Vietnamese sandwich shop, the Banh Mi place, which we just recently moved. They just said? moved, yeah. right? They used to be on. They used to be on Mott Street behind a jewelry store. Yeah. This was Banh Mi Saigon, in, right. with all the jade jewelry up front and the people making the sandwiches in the back. And I think it's it's still Banh Mi Saigon, but now they're on they're on Grand Street now, across the street from uh, Ferrara's Ferrara's Bakery. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, they're right across the street. But you have to look closely because again, it's behind a uh, jewelry store. Yeah, yeah. and you yeah. don't understand. This is like a foot long hoagie of pork. What three ways? You get pate, ground, mm-hmm. and. Uh, like a char, you know, yeah. pickled vegetables, yeah. cilantro, on what is kind of a French baguette yeah, with mayonnaise. Baguette. Mm-hmm. It's the most addictive, beautiful sandwich. And what usually like under five bucks? Yeah, three three seventy five. Yeah, we, we just grabbed a few over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like at least once a week. You know, once every two weeks, I'll grab some. I bring them to the restaurant. You yeah, know. Uh, that's a great place. There's another good uh, Vietnamese style place on uh, on Christie. That makes, I think, some of the best roast pork you could find here in the city. The, the Chinese-style roast pork, the char siu. Uh, that place is called... Um, well, what's the name of that place? I can't remember the name. Not Trang. Not, Not Trang, Trang. Yeah, or something. Yeah. And I think you also yeah. took me to that Malaysian beef jerky place, too. Yes. Yeah. Right, they have a uh, great jerky over there, too. But, yeah. th- I mean, there's so, many, there's so many great spots. You know, if you have the time uh, to go to, it's great. But I could definitely see how it can be intimidating for someone... Uh, who hasn't been down there before and you know language is not a you know people speak so many different languages down there yeah so it's it's it could be hard to navigate but if you uh you know find the right spot and know what you're looking for you'll you'll find i actually think we did a map of it in edible brooklyn too um i forget what issue maybe like the third issue but yeah just search for king kuman on edible brooklyn and there's a great you know two-page spread map that uh also gives you some keywords to be able to ask Mm -hmm. for certain ingredients and now growing up too did you shop at these purveyors these you know uh fishmongers and vegetable stands and rice noodle places Oh, yes, because uh, uh, the Chinese vegetables, you don't see them in the regular grocery stores. Yeah. So we go there, and fresh fish, we also go there, and certain kind of meat. So yeah. we go to Chinatown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, I don't know, I, I know I have this preconcept about Chinatown um, versus the green market as not necessarily being as local, as green, as fresh, because everything's sitting out in stalls, but... Really, they had that idea prior to the green market. Mm-hmm. Nothing against the green market because I do right. frequent it, but uh, putting that caveat in there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's uh, it's definitely some of the um, freshest uh, ingredients you can find. Yeah, you know? and you're supporting local businesses. It's mm-hmm. not like everything's being shipped overseas. Right. A lot of the greens, a lot of the fish, even are caught locally and then mm-hmm. brought in and broken down. Um, it's it's a fantastic place to shop for food to cook uh, aside from just eating now paul being in san francisco um 
do you eat in a similar style as you did here, or have you changed your diet a little bit? Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I married a Hindu vegetarian, so eating in the same style is almost near to, near to impossible. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, uh, I can see that being from. <laughs> but, you know, I, I would say that, I would say that, you know, when it's my turn to cook in the house, uh, you know, I, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, you know, I, I will make... You know, I, she eats adobo. She eats, you know, what might mean my daughter and I will eat, yeah. eat and my wife doesn't. But you know, I, I'll I'll usually cook two dishes: something that's vegetarian for her, and and something that's meat for us. And you know, and I still, you know, I cook adobo. I make, you know, I make tamarind stews. I still I still cook in the same way. But you know, it's only cooking for one, so it's kind of. It's almost like what you know, a small plate like a domino because I don't make that much. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I see, I, I see this as a great concept restaurant. Why not Thai, <laughs> Filipino, Hindu, vegetarian? I mean, just <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there's a, you know, we, uh, it's funny because it's uh, it's not unique. We have a couple of, of friends who who are you know, we have a, we have a, we have dinner parties and it's like you know, I'm I'm married to veg, and yeah. so there's like three there's like three couples where one of them is a vegetarian and one is not, and we get together and that way there's like six dishes. <laughs> <laughs> that will that will fit everything, but yeah, I mean, I do I do still cook like that. It's it's kind of ingrained in the way I cook, but you know, um, yeah, I've I've had to yeah, I'm actually a little healthier now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's yeah. the, but that's also the wonderful thing about you know not just marriage in the in the wedded sense, but marriage of culture and cuisine is that all these new ideas and you know new dishes come about. Uh, Annabelle. Has your background ever influenced King's cooking? Uh, are there ingredients that aren't just Thai Filipino, but have a little bit of Washington Heights in them? I'd like to think so. Oh. I mean, in some small way, maybe. Um, he certainly influenced me more than I've influenced him, but we've certainly had a lot of good meals in Washington Heights. Yeah, plus, uh, for one of the restaurants, I uh, I opened up uh, Tale. That was, uh, it was a Thai and Latin um, food that we put together. So it had a lot of influence from from dishes I had that her mom has cooked and that we've had in Dominican Republic and that we've had uptown. Yeah, and we eat a lot of rice. Yeah, uh, yeah, they eat right, yeah, there's some similarities. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we're from the Dominican Republic, so rice is basically with every meal. So King appreciates that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just great to see that you know uh, it's not just a melting pot, it's not just a stew, it's not just muddied cuisine, but it is of roots, of heritage, of legacy that 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 create such wonderful not just dishes but you know stories and a pe- pleasurable place mm-hmm. to eat now are there new exciting things happening with kuma and umanam may it be dishes may it be concepts um well you know dishes are always uh happening you know we're always using uh we're always making specials daily specials and trying out new dishes with the staff and trying um, new dishes with our friends coming in um we're working on a cookbook right now, Kuma Inn. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, Michael has uh, helped me out with the photography part on that, and uh, we're trying to sell that, so that's still in the works. Hopefully, someone's going to yeah. pick that up soon. Well, we're trying to get sponsored to go to uh, Chicken Row in the Philippines, that's really. Right. So. And do a book on that. Uh, oh, right. In, in Uminom, we're serving, we serve balut over there, which is that, um, that duck egg in its embryonic stage. Uh, Wait, can we slow down and can you back up and explain that to everybody again? Because I don't know if many people have eaten balut, other than maybe Anthony Bourdain uh, right. on his um, television show. Adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the uh, balut, it's, it's really big in the Philippines. It's a, uh, like a street food or, uh, or even something you eat when you're, when you're drinking beers or something. 
and it's a um, it's usually from uh, a duck, and it's the egg that goes beyond the uh, yolk and white part. It's a little bit more mature. Uh, duck eggs usually hatch around twenty eight days, and uh, balut they sell anywhere from twelve to up to eighteen to twenty days. The ones we have at the restaurant are fourteen days. So when you we we boil them, and then when you crack them crack. The egg open, yeah. the shell open. There's a there's a fetus in mm. there. So <laughs> depending on how mature that fetus is, that's how much it's developed. Yeah. So the ones we have at at Umi are about. Uh, they don't have any feathers on them yet. Um, bones aren't really too formed yet, so they're not too crunchy. But uh, I mean, you can see the eyes, yeah. the beak, the head. Now, wh- whose background does this come from? Is this Thai? Is this Filipino? It's I see King Senior pointing over to uh, <laughs> King's mother. <laughs> Yeah. So, and you ate a lot of balut growing up. Uh, yes, uh, not a lot, but when he learned how to eat, oh, he can sit and eat a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's not recommended. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get sick the next day. <laughs> not to say that they aren't delicious, though. They're, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just saying a dozen. You know. Yeah. <laughs> one one or two is okay, but not a dozen. Oh yeah, I've seen Cool Hand Luke, and you know. <laughs> I know not to sit there and gorge on <laughs> yes. those huevos. So. But one thing I can tell you, both of my boys, both of Paul and King, they know how to eat good food. Yeah. They're very, very... Not only do they know how to eat good food, yes. um, but they know how to have people eat good food. Right. That's what I appreciate about having met King and had his cuisine and now family shared with me. Um, so, yes, a big thank you to all of you for being here. Um any last words? Anything to, uh, you know, poke fun at King? Maybe uh, you know. Here's your chance. A whole bunch of listeners. So, no, nothing. Nothing but good graces. Oh, Annabelle's taking the mic. I think uh, more people should really get out there and experience Filipino food. I think in terms of Asian food, it's still not as probably well known. And and having known absolutely nothing about it before meeting yeah. King, I have to say I really love it, and it's right up there with my favorites. Um, you know, from in terms of Asian cuisine, so yeah, yeah, it's true. It's 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 kind of strange. It's one of those uh, Asian cuisines that hasn't really taken off. You know, uh, like when we were kids, you know, Thai cuisine wasn't really big, but now you see a Thai Everywhere, restaurant yeah. at every corner, yeah. Thai and takeout. I see American places do their riffs on pad Thai. I mean, right, right. That's on a regular menu now. You go in the supermarket and buy pad Thai yeah, mix. Yeah, but Filipino food is still something that hasn't uh, hasn't taken off, and I'm not sure quite why. Um, I it's it's great food, great ingredients. You know, a lot of yeah. Spanish influence, Malay, Chinese. Yeah. So there's, I think, a little bit of something for everyone, but for some reason, it just hasn't clicked. And yeah. It, well, what is the pad thai of Filipino food? Is it banchi pichon? Is it? Um. Oh, pancit. Yeah. 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 Pancit, yeah. 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 yeah pancit bihon. Yeah. The noodle dishes are. Yeah. That's pretty much uh, kind of yeah. like the pad thai. Yes. Yeah. So, what are other staples of Filipino food that you hope? proliferate other menus well you know like uh, adobo adobo is a big thing which has proliferated i've seen it yeah um, you know i've worked at other restaurants and and kind of brought that in as specials and non-filipino restaurants yeah and i know there's a few restaurants that still have that <laughs> yeah. their, uh, on their menu uh so it's it's something uh that's great and i know everybody i haven't met one person who's tried it and said like oh i don't like this yeah everybody loves adobo well i mean maybe paul's wife might oh, yeah. stay away from <laughs> it but. right but uh you know and and we're always trying at the two between the two restaurants we're trying to use different um different main ingredients with the adobo you know so we have like 
a chicken adobo. We've done duck adobo. We've done squid adobo, pork belly adobo, you know. Yeah. And uh, adobo is a mixture of what? Adobo, the main, you know, the main things in adobo are um, vinegar, uh, garlic, and soy sauce. Yeah. So basically, uh, if you take any type of main protein and braise it with those ingredients, it's tip- it's classically an adobo. Yeah. Uh, any other dishes uh, aside from those? Uh, you know, very, if you think of like a Filipino party, um, lechon is one that comes to mind, which is the whole roasted pig. Yeah. You know, and if, if, if we can't do the whole roasted one, we'll do uh, parts of it. So at, at Kuma, we'll do the, um, the pork belly, the deep fried pork belly. Or at Uminom, we'll uh, do the ears and snout. Uh, we do a saute of uh, ears and snout with the Thai chilies. Um, you think of spring rolls, like uh, little, uh, we call them lumpia, those little uh, pork spring rolls. Those are very popular. Yeah. Uh, but then also with the garlic fried rice, which we spoke about earlier. Uh, tapa, the beef tapa, yeah. which you like, is very big. And that's a very classic also if you talk about a Filipino breakfast or lunch, which we're trying to push at Uminom. Oh, yeah. If you've not had Filipino brunch, it is something wondrous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, like, because what is it? The garlic rice? The garlic that, rice. Well, I go for the garlic rice, beef uh, tapa, and fried eggs. Fried eggs, <laughs> right. So, so they call yeah. that uh, tapsilog, which yeah. is a mixture of the three uh, ingredients in there. So tapa, you take the tapa is that beef so you take top and uh eat log is eggs so that's the log at the end and in the middle it's uh sinigag which is garlic fried rice yeah so it's top sea log you know so you, you could you could do hot sea log so that's like hot dogs eggs and rice you know <laughs> what is the mackerel that you do we do moxie log yeah. so that's the mackerel we do uh, we use a japanese mackerel and grill it uh, a whole mackerel we also have what's the other one we have? We have the long sea oh long sea log, which is the longanisa, the sausage. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's great, and again, that's another one. When people come in, they, they don't know what to order because we also have burgers on the menu and salads, and then people look at that. They're like, "Can we? Should we try this?" I'm like, "Yeah, please, you know, try it." And yeah, they, they love it. People go crazy. See, I I want to end the show though with a hollow hollow. Because um, <laughs> Megan and I came into Uminam one day and had a beautiful brunch, and King comes out with this little concoction. Tell us a little about it. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I think when you came by, we just had. Uh, I got this brand new ice machine, and basically, halo halo. Um, it means mix mix. That's what it literally translates to. Um, but it's a, sh- a shaved ice dessert. So uh, we shaved ice, and uh, we put different types of uh, condiments on top. Uh, sweet beans, purple yam, um, pineapple gelatin, coconut gelatin, a uh, scoop of ice cream, toasted coconut ice cream, and some toasted rice and a little powdered sugar and uh, some milk. And you kind of just mix that all up and it's a party in your mouth. Oh, man. it's it's It makes you feel like a kid with your first giant birthday cake, too. I mean, that thing comes in and it is an absolute party in flavors and colors and kindness as well. Um, I just really want to thank all the Fajonicongs. Uh Paul, thank you so much for calling in. Um, I hope everybody's salivating and now about to go to either Kuma Inn or Uminam for, you know, two out of the next uh, three meals, yep. uh, twice a week for the rest of your lives. Uh, thank you, King. Thanks, Thanks my Michael. parents. Thank you. Annabelle. Thank you. Thank you. Um, like to thank New York City's Craft Beer Week for sponsoring, too. Coming up September 24th, running till October 3rd. Get some more info about that. Drink some beautiful local craft beers. 
You've been listening to The Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Shout out to Jack Inslee, our producer, Nat Wiener, our engineer, and hope to have you back here Tuesday, 3 p.m. Cheers. <laughs>